This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by Evan Grant, who really likes to pound those keys. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> it might be. It might be. I, I'm. I, I, it when you're a virtuoso. I mean, did, did Beethoven tap the keys lightly? Very lightly, is, is my understanding. No. He just grazed the keys. No. He, he was pound, whispered. He and Mozart pounded. Keys. Elton John pounded. Billy Joel the, pounds. I don't know any other pianists. That's it? That's it. Van Clyburn, he was... Oh, yeah, him. That guy. Yeah, he played the national anthem. That guy from Fort Worth. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. So, Evan, uh, we, we're going to do a little Rangers podcast here. And as we speak today, today is the day that the commissioner, Rob Manfred, shows up out at the, uh, at the, new, at the new joint, as I understand. Yes, he's going to take a tour of the new ballpark and say it's... Fabulous, I assume, for $1.2 billion, and I'm sure uh, over the next two days he's going to uh, approve the sale of the um, Kansas City Royals. I don't know exactly what that price is, but I assume it will be for a close to a billion dollars. Um, and then I suppose at some point in time we'll actually ask him about uh, whether or not the Houston Astros are a bunch of lying, cheating scum. Wow. And that's a, that's, uh, also, what he's, one of the teams that was in the World Series, pal. What he's thinking about with uh, contracting 25% of the minor leagues. Because clearly, with $1.2 billion stadiums and $1 billion sales of clubs, MLB is struggling for, uh, for revenue. So they need to <laughs> chop off a quarter of the minor league teams. I don't understand. The, what's the thinking behind that? Um, I, I really think this is a leverage play. Um, you know, there has been a lot of pressure, uh, applied to MLB to raise minor league salaries. Uh, and I think this is MLB's way of pushing back and saying, okay, you want us to raise salaries? Well, we'll, we'll do that, but we're also going to cut about just as many salaries as we'd need to, to make sure uh -huh. that we don't increase our bottom line any, or on the other hand, maybe some of you minor league clubs could pick up some of the travel and meal costs and things like that that typically are in the player development contract. Um, so I, I think MLB is trying to uh, wield its its significant weight here and, and pass the costs on to others, as seems to usually be the case. Well, I, you know what? In some ways, I have a hard time criticizing baseball uh, too much because at least they have a minor league system that they pay for, or uh, and, and as opposed to the NFL, which allows uh, lets the NCAA do that in the NBA as well. So, well, for that, the most part, that's true. Um, 
Uh, and of course, we now have the XFL. So true that. Uh, although, no, who knows where that's going? Yeah. Um, you know, Bob Stoops. There, there's a bet that somebody made me. I'm trying to remember who. I think it was, it was me in here like two weeks ago. That Bob Stoops would never coach. I believe that was an me. XFL game. Well, I don't know if you said this because he's going to be the coach at Oklahoma again. I said Florida State. I know you said that. There's no. I don't think there's any way Bob Stoops would go to Florida State. Um, but his thinking was that that Lincoln will be, you know, maybe the coach of the Cowboys. But here, here's where I stand on the whole minor league thing. <clears throat> and um, we can get into Lincoln Riley and the Cowboys and in that and in the Cowboys podcast in a bit. But here's where I stand on the whole minor league thing. If MLB wants to um, offer clubs the ability to reduce the number of minor league players that they, they pay, that's certainly within their prerogative. Mm-hmm. Um, but if clubs want to invest in player development, where, where I've got a real issue is um, the idea that you would cap minor league systems at 150 players. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if clubs want to invest in player development, if they want to um, – uh, try and grow their own players and, and take as many chances as they possibly can, then they should be able to. Uh, and this, in the ultimate capitalist society, right, this, yeah. this certainly seems like a, a kind of a socialist-type act to say, oh, no, no, we'll, we'll just protect everybody here. If somebody wants to go out and pay for players, let them go out and pay for players. They're creating jobs. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that if you – Ultimately, talk to major league clubs. I would bet you that more than two thirds of the clubs, uh, in most reports, this this has been driven um, with lobbying by the Houston Astros, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Ironically, who are GM by assistants who worked under Jeff Luno, um, to limit the minor league clubs and the number of players in the minor league system. I think if you talk to most major league clubs, they would be more than willing to invest that money um, in uh, in the opportunity. And I, I also say this. I think that, that MLB and, uh, should pay minor leaguers a more livable wage. Um, and I think when asked, minor leaguers will say that. But I think they'd still, you know, at 20, and I know, you know, your son, if given the opportunity, would probably absolutely take it for whatever they would um, – uh, whatever they would pay. So, the, I, the guys, yes, they do deserve a more livable wage, but there's no shortage of guys signing up to try and pursue this dream, whether it's for a year or two in their early 20s, when they they may not be able to quote-unquote afford it, but it's also not going to put them into uh, lifelong debt. You know, uh, I was uh, uh, unaware that the uh, Astros uh, were behind this kind of thing. I guess This is what's been reported. Uh, yeah. According to Bill Madden at the New York Daily News, it's, it's being called the Houston Plan. Yeah, the evil empire. Um, because, you know, it smacks a little bit of, I'm sure, because of the image that Jeff Luno is, is taking on here, is that, you know what, I don't want to be paying for these guys that are 28 and 29 years old playing in the minor leagues, career minor leaguers. Why would I want to do that? Not efficient. Not efficient. You know, when they when they made the trade, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the deal that they made during the season where they gave up uh, they gave up some high uh, some guys that they valued, uh, but they were uh, it was like Seth Beer. What was that? Who, what was that trade that they made? Uh, I forget all the, all the people. Uh, but but anyway, I remember thinking that at was the, time, the Granky trade. I believe that's what it was. That's what it was. And they and they were gave up some good players, but it was clear that it's like no. 
these players weren't good enough. Right. And and and, and that was the <laughs> and there's nothing the matter with that. Obviously, you're making a good deal. Zach was was very efficient. Is, for if the, that's how if, for ha, the if, if that's but, how but, the Astros... my, my point is is that 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 dovetails with the idea that. These guys in the lower ends of the spectrum here, what do we care about that? Right. You know, because I, I was thinking about all this when and you went down to, to the Dominican and, and, uh, and wrote some fine stories about what the Rangers are doing down there with these academies and things. And, and one of the things that was uh, that occurred to me was that, you know, you go down to these countries and you go down there and you find their best players and you take them away. Uh, and uh, and, I, and I think to me. What what I was feeling was that and the facilities were all terrible. They talked about how terrible their facilities were before and everything else. And I'm sure there are lots of difficulties here in getting something done, you know, and you probably got to go through a lot of channels to to do what you'd like to do. But in the end, don't the Rangers and everybody else owe it to these countries that if, if we're going to come down here and we're going to extract these players uh, and, and certainly we're giving them a way of life. But if it weren't for these places, the Rangers wouldn't be getting these players either. There is there is a quid pro quo here. There is, to and, use a very popular phrase these yes. days. And listen, I mean, it, every time I go to the Dominican, there is um, a feeling of appreciation for how much the kids love baseball. Mm -hmm. There's also a feeling of there's a level of exploitation here. Mm -hmm. Um uh, because you know you are putting kids basically in what has previously been army barracks, and uh, a lot of it is not very nice, and it's it, it, it's a system run by by agents in which they take huge chunks of players' bonuses. Um, uh, and, and on the other hand, a lot of these guys are getting opportunities that they they never would have gotten. So there is that that kind of quid pro quo, and I do think it's important that that clubs with as much as as much talent as the Dominican and, and Venezuela and Latin America have produced, I do think it's important that clubs invest into the academy system to give these kids a more um, – to treat them more human. I mean, yes. when, when I went down there last two years ago and looked at, at, at the what was in that uh, – in the academy then, I mean, you had 40 kids basically living in 20 bunks in one open room. It was an army barracks. Um, and – you know, this was the environment in which you had the the heck the hazing incident involving Rugnet Odor's brother and and some other young players, and that's just it's it's conducive to to bad situations. Um, what they have opened in the past week there at, at an investment of about twelve million dollars um, really does look look and feel like a college dorm. Um, Still a little bit more crowded than your average college dorm because you've got two bunk beds in each suite, and they're making guys sleep in the same beds together, right? No, they're 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 two separate bunk beds, and, okay. Um, so one each is a twin, and, oh, and you've, got, okay. you've got four guys in 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 four beds. Um, whereas the facility that they're building in Arizona right now will be for a little bit older kids, and you'll have um, uh, you'll have two kids in a bedroom, but each apartment will be. Uh, two bedrooms, and they'll have a common area with with two bathrooms. Mm -hmm. um, but this is, you know, a beginning step. It's it's look, it's similar to the college dorm I would have I would have been in in 1983. And, you know, we're a little bit behind the times, I guess, where it comes to that. But it's it's certainly um, the meals are good, the the facilities are top notch, and there is the ability to have uh, you know a big solid bed and a roof over your head and really good training facilities. So um, 
I think the bottom line of all this for me is that if you're going to take 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds with minimal skills, uh, I I like the idea of of the educational process that was going on in all of this and what they're trying to do for these kids, trying to give them a life. Um, I I think that's more a goal than it is something that we'll see in terms of actually getting kids GEDs. Um, I think that's more of a goal than something we'll actually see take place down there just because the kids are not there oh, absolutely. that long. But the thing is, in going to Buckner International and saying, will you guys have a presence here? They've gone to a to a, a group that does the educational part yeah. instead of trying to like – do it themselves. Oversee it themselves. And, and I think that's a big step. I forward. think that was really smart. But but my, my point is is that, you know, uh, in an industry, at least in, in the NFL, at least guys are going to uh, college for a little while, you know, uh, and at least they are, they are starting down a road of trying to be – and we can all laugh and, and, and poke fun at the student-athlete model and whatever that means – but these guys are getting something of an education, at least, and uh, and and guys that often in in uh, baseball are coming right out of high school, and, and of course in the Dominican and places like that, they're they're much younger than they're younger than that. So uh, so I think that baseball baseball has an obligation to help these guys out a little bit, and and, and just for, just out of uh, humanity here, Let, let's let's try to do right by these people. Completely agree. So it, it's the minimum, and and you know too often. In baseball, uh, the kind of stereotypical or basic or, or racist comments that come up is, "Hey, these Latin American kids come up and they're not disciplined enough." Mm-hmm. Well, if you want them, to, if you want kids to be more disciplined, give them dignity and give them the surroundings right. that that give kids pride and aren't disorganized like the previous the previous generation of academies were. So I, I think it's a, a, a step forward and I think it's um it's important and I think it's also kind of um kind of disappointing that we're in two thousand nineteen and some clubs have just gotten to this point and some clubs still aren't there. Right. Well it is. Uh and, and I don't think that a lot of people realize all that. So so bringing that back full circle back around to uh the Astros and what uh, and what they're trying to do? Uh, what do we think that uh, is the commissioner ultimately is going to do about the allegations? Uh, and, and certainly, we've heard that they are opening up investigations, not just into the Astros, but into Major League Baseball in general about about cheating, what's been going on, what's happening uh, along those lines. I, I that's the question I'd, I'd like to get answered is, are are you prepared? You have stated that in the past that if there were um, if there were cheating allegations that were that were proven uh, involving technology, that it would lead to, to forfeiture of draft picks um, and uh, and potential international slot money. Uh, and I think there was some open ended wording in there. And, and the question I'd have is. Uh, if this is egregious as as described, is the commissioner willing to uh, go further and and put some suspensions on people, uh, whether it's Luno or the executive that's named in in the emails or um, other personnel? Uh, is this a, is this a situation now where uh, there's got to be a precedent set because of how egregious it was and that it. It, it it may have been going on for more than just 2017, 
uh, and that you know in 2017 there were allegations that that the Red Sox were tw- were, were were cheating, and it, it appears that despite Jeff Luno's comments that we tried to play by the rules, uh, they tried to exploit the rules based on what. Mike Fires has said, and, and what the the various reports from the Athletic and ESPN have said. So I, I think that's going to be the big question: Will there be some kind of discipline beyond the loss of draft picks? Because quite frankly, the Astros losing the thirtieth overall draft pick next year—that's um, not much. That's not much for them. No. <clears throat> we should point out that Mike Fires, a former Astros pitcher, who said that when he was there with the club, that uh, they were. They had, uh, I guess, cameras set up in the outfield, and then they were relaying messages uh, to the players, uh, banging on garbage can lids, stuff like that, to tell them what was coming yes. while they're at the plate. You know, I, I want to say this. You, and there was video yesterday from the 2017 World Series that um, uh, John Boy, which is a Twitter account, had kind of unearthed of uh, Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve coming up from the dugout right past a setup that had a plastic, a big trash can next to it with a table and somebody pulling a monitor off the table minutes after or seconds after a World Series game was over. So um, it certainly uh, there's some there's some there's some great circumstances in, in circumstantial evidence there. Yeah. Uh, you know, stealing signals is, goes back forever. I remember uh, our uh, our old pal, uh, the former uh, Rangers GM, Atlanta Braves GM, uh, uh, oldest living Yankee, and I'm, I'm Eddie Robinson. <laughs> Eddie Robinson. I was having to struggle in there a little bit. Eddie Robinson uh, wrote about that that when he was with the Indians that that, that they they stole signals. They had a guy out in center field, I believe, who was uh, relaying um, you know messages of what they're doing. That was a little questionable when you got a guy in the outfield doing something like that. I, I my problem is is if a guy's standing on second base and he's looking in and he sees the catcher's signal, uh, I, I got no problem with that. Absolutely. You know, you, you're on the field. You saw something. No, this all comes you, down you to technology. And yeah. and again, I, I'd say it's really difficult if you've got somebody in the out stationed in the outfield. Both teams could technically get around that rule and and have somebody stationed in the outfield and looking in with binoculars or whatever and relaying signs. You cannot um, – a, a visiting team does not have the ability to install a dedicated camera line right. exactly. to, to, to have a monitor set up on the catcher. Uh, and, and so that's – to me, that's a, that's a very blatant crossing of the line there. Sure. And, and it's something that MLB – uh, because of the pervasive nature of technology today and, and how um, uh, how much it has invaded the game, MLB really is going to have to take a strong stand, whether it's with the Astros or with somebody else at some point in time, on making sure that, that there is a deterrent to trying to use uh, available technology to exploit the rules. So what's an appropriate penalty? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I think you start with with a draft pick loss and a and a, <clears throat> and a loss of some slot money. But I think that somewhere along Are the line. Are you emotional about this? <coughs> you, can, you, you missed the panic button. <laughs> I can never get to the panic button in time. I never even think about it because. I'm not a panicky person. Um, but you are emo- I know you're emotional about this cheating thing. I, it, it breaks you up. I just think that uh, I, I think somewhere along the line you're going to have to make an example of somebody. You did this in you did this in Latin America with John Coppolello, the Braves GM. Oh, right. Yeah. You banned him from baseball for life. <clears throat> 
I think you're going to have to take some kind of step that, that creates a real deterrent on this front because five years ago, the Dominican and, and Latin American was completely lawless in the way players were being hidden. Uh, MLB has taken steps to rein that in. The next thing now is is technology, and it's it's got to be addressed. Is there anything the Astros wouldn't do? You know, I, I don't want to beat up on the Astros here. Oh, um, come on. Let's do it. Because I, I think, look, every team looks for whatever edge they can. Sure. I think the Astros, if, if all these allegations are correct, um, clearly they crossed the line. And uh, I, I think that one thing that we have determined about the Astros is that on their evaluation process, they are bloodless as can be, um, operate clearly on – with one goal in mind, how do we win championships? And uh, they will they will look to go around rules, exploit rules, uh, find loopholes in rules. Um, but this one just appears to be a blatant ignorance of a rule. So um, there's got to be, uh, in my mind, somebody's going to pay the price. I don't know that it would be Luno. Uh, now that, that Kevin Goldstein has been named as the executive in this uh, – in this memo uh, that was sent to scouts to ask them to basically uh, cross a line, um, I would think that uh, more more than likely he ends up becoming something of a fall guy. You know what? That's why you have people underneath you in these kind of organizations as someone you can blame when everything goes wrong, right? That's how it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's pretty much exactly how it goes. Yes, sir, it does. Okay, well, let's before we get out of here on the Rangers, let, let's we we've talked a lot about uh, things other than the Rangers themselves. Any updates on uh, anything that the Rangers might be doing? Have you hearing any uh, rumbling? No, I think that uh, I think we laid it out pretty clearly last week at the GM meetings. Um, uh, they are focused on the top of the market pitching wise. Uh, think that 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 even with that, they understand that. Uh, they'll take meetings with Garrett Cole, uh, but I think they feel like Garrett Cole is going to end up in L.A. Um, mm-hmm. I think all of baseball feels that, and if not L.A., it's going to be the Yankees. Um, you I, know, if if uh, Artie Moreno does not sign Garrett Cole, baseball should act on that. I, I've <laughs> I, I, I said to many colleagues out there last week that. Um, if Artie doesn't sign Garrett Cole, he should um, he should probably sell put the team up for team for yeah. sale because he simply can't. He, 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 this is too. I don't want to say easy, but it's it, it makes too much sense. The kid's from Orange County. He likes Orange County. Uh, you've got the best player in the world. You've got the best. You've got a phenom in Shohei Otani. Uh, you're trying to get a new ballpark. You need to create some more excitement. It's all laid out for you. You just yeah. got to go out and, 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 and spend the money. So um, that is, the, yeah, I, I think that the pressure is on Artie to, to, get this, to get this guy signed. And that's going to make things much more difficult in the West. It was hard enough with the Astros. Sure. Uh, and, the, and the A's have been coming on now for a couple of years. Uh, the, frankly, the Angels' problem all along has been pitching. Sure, it's never absolutely. Been, it hasn't hardly been anything else. They've had almost everything else you could want. Uh, defense, they have offense, 
uh, they simply didn't have enough pitching. Yeah, so. no, I, I mean, I, it, it definitely makes them a factor, and uh, I think it's one of the reasons the Rangers have to be aggressive on the free agent market uh, this year. And if if the Angels were to get Cole and the Rangers were to fill three of their needs at the same point in time um, with top tier players, then uh, you feel like you've at least matched them. Yeah. Let me ask you this: I see a lot of people in these, uh, uh, you know, off season things pointing at Joe Palumbo as a guy that uh, the the most likely guy to really step up and do something from from their prospects list. And obviously, Joe has has pitched this uh, this last season. Um, I think it depends on the day of the week well, and who you talk to. Maybe um, I got I got to say I, I don't I, I just don't feel that good about Palumbo. Uh, you know, in spring training, guys talked about Brock Burke and that he was uh, – and here's the deal. Okay, Palumbo was the guy who was in the system already. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were always questions about whether Taylor Hearn would be a starter or reliever. Then Taylor got hurt and, and his whole season went to pot. Um, Brock Burke was a newcomer last spring. Uh, the Rangers were really impressed with how polished he seemed to be. Uh, they got Colby Allard at the deadline – the Rangers really love the competitive nature that he brings. Um, I think going into next year, the guy uh, with the best inside track to earning a rotation spot is Allard. I don't know if he's got the highest ceiling of those guys or not. I I, I think that you could still make the case that, that Palumbo does have the highest ceiling of those guys because he throws a little bit harder. But any day of the week, you can pick a different asset. You can pick... Allard's um, competitiveness, you can pick Burke's slow heartbeat, you can pick that Palumbo probably has uh, the best overall stuff of the group. So um, uh, until any of those guys mm-hmm. establishes themselves, I think it's it, it's kind of a wild card. Yeah, for me, uh, all things else being equal, I, I would uh, I go with the competitive nature in that kind of situation. For a guy at the bottom, this is what you want is a guy at the bottom of the rotation fighting for something. Well, the competitive nature on Allard had played up into another mile or two in his fastball uh-huh. um, when he got back when he got to the big leagues with the Rangers. Um, so that the, you can be as competitive as you want, but if you got an average fastball, no, oh, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, and, and so the fact that he's able to step it up a little bit, I think, is is also um, an asset for him. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that all works out. That they certainly had to have somebody step up for, for that last spot. Hopefully the Rangers would just be asking one guy right. from I, their system to be a, a starter. Uh, they're going to have to, as we've said before, go out and get two, we think, two veterans to come in. At least, I, I think at least two. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. You, depending on what you do, if you if you get two guys who cost you money, um, significant money, um, and then you've got to you've got a trade minor or Lynn, you know, it, you're yes, you you would like the way John Daniels has has stated it. I think they would like for one of those three guys to win the fifth spot in the rotation um, and that for the other two guys to be in line, ready to go, when and if they have an injury uh, this season. Yeah, you got to have more than that. you got to yeah. have about nine guys. Yep. He's, his, his statement is eight to ten. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for our Rangers podcast, our baseball podcast. We kind of broadened that today a little bit. Uh, be sure to tune in on our others. We're going to have a Mavericks podcast, and we're going to have a Cowboys, and David Moore is going to join us for both of those. Until then, uh, have a good one, and from everybody in here, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.